over the past few months, uh, God's given us a couple of uh, specific words. And uh, the first word that we began to look at, uh, in fact, back in autumn last year, uh, was the word bold. And there was a sense in which God was calling us to be a bold church, to be confident and to be bold because we see Jesus. And we wandered through the book of Hebrews together. Uh, and it was exciting to, to think and to see how we could be confident and, and bold. And, um, and, and over Christmas, uh, you know, I had this sense that actually God was, was saying another word to us. Uh, and that's a word that we've now been looking at over the last uh, kind of four weeks here at SPS. And that's the word balm. The word balm. And I think it's amazing here, you get this kind of, kind of poles, kind of two, almost, they're almost opposites that interplay with one another, where on one hand we're called as a church to be bold, to be confident, and on the other hand we're called to know and to show the balm, the healing, the soothing, the comfort that Jesus gives to us. You know, I think these are are real words for us as a church here, that this is our character, the bold and the balm. And we've been looking at balm for the last uh, four weeks, and and I was actually originally planning to do something a little bit different uh, through February, but I just kind of sensed that perhaps God wasn't quite finished with the balm yet. Is is anyone happy that God's not quite finished with the balm? Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, So we are going to continue looking a little bit at at balm uh, today. Uh, And before we do that, Kirsten is going to come and read to us. So if you grab Mark 14, we're going to be looking verse 1 to 11. Now the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some sly way to arrest Jesus and kill him. But not during the feast, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came in with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them at any time you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she she could, She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Thank you. Hey, keep, uh, keep that passage open in your Bibles. Uh, it's great to get a chance to have a little look through a gospel, uh, to look at these stories uh, of Jesus' uh, life, these kind of windows into Jesus' life uh, on earth. Because, you know, Jesus came to rescue. 
and he came to reassure us. And crucially, he came to remain with us. You know, I am amazed just how often I need reminding of that, uh, though. You know, I, I know that Jesus loves me. I do. I know that. I absolutely know that. And I'm, and I'm actually quite excited about that as well. Okay? Jesus loves me. He cares for me. You know, he speaks to me. And, 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 in, and in fact, I've had a really great month. January's been great. It really, it really has been. It's been great to hear God and to see the way that he's been moving, to see the things that he's been doing amongst us as a family here. It's been really, really exciting. But, but you know what? As much as I know that God loves me and I know that God speaks to me, I also know just how quickly I forget that sometimes. It's almost like my head just leaks all the time. And I know that I need to be reminded constantly of God's love and God's care. It's amazing how quick I forget. You know, I really have had a great month. And I've been really excited by what God has been doing here. And as I said earlier, I was, I was really excited last Sunday. We, it, was, it really was a, a, an amazing morning together. You know, it was fantastic. But you know, you know what, if I'm honest, actually this last week I've been feeling a little bit like, oh, I've been feeling a little bit tired, feeling a little bit like, oh, what's going to, you know, what we're gonna, what's happening, God, what are you saying? You know, even though I've, I've had a really exciting time, I, I've kind of suddenly found myself thinking, oh, you know, just feeling a little bit, a little bit Eeyore, a little bit like melancholy. And, you know, and I, 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 need, I need to make a little confession, okay? So I know that when, basically, when I, when I get tired, you know, or if I feel a little bit run down, um, one, one of the things that I do is um, I listen to a lot of country music. Okay, and, and it's true, it's true. And this, and this week, I have been driving Charlotte mad. So Charlotte's my long-suffering wife, and she actually came into my study at one point this week, and she said, Phil... That is enough. This has got to stop. And I'm sitting there cranking up some like really, you know, melancholy guy singing about his whiskey or something. I don't know. But, you know, but I, I actually, but I find that, you know, I love, and, and I, but as much as I know that God loves me, as much as, as I have a really exciting time knowing that God loves me, it's amazing how quickly I can feel, oh, and I need to be reminded of just how exciting it is that God loves me, that God is speaking to me. You know, I don't know if you can relate, you know, but we leak so quickly. We leak so quickly. One of the, one of the things that I was looking at over Christmas, uh, I was really struck reading a bit of 2 Peter. Uh, one of the things that Peter says to the early church there, he says, I, I'm going to write to you this stuff. You know, even though you know it, you know that God loves you, you know, and you're faithful to him, but I'm going to remind you all about that anyway. Yeah, and that's what we do at church, isn't it? We gather here week after week to remind one another because we leak you know, and there's lots of things that we do as well to remind ourselves. And they're really good things. You know, we often we, we might have little trinkets, you know, to remind, we might have little bracelets with, with a bit of scripture on or something. You know, I've got, some, I've got a friend who's got like a little leather band to remind him to, to pray for certain things. You know, we might, we might have a piece of jewellery that, that helps to remind us of God's 
love. You know, one thing I, I, a lot now, people seem, seem to have, tat- they have tattoos, you know, that relate to their faith. I've got, I, mean, I haven't actually got any tattoos myself, um, but I've got a lot of friends that have. They've got tattoos that remind them of the love that Jesus has for them. In fact, I had, I had a friend of mine that was living uh, with us a little while back, and, um, uh, and, and he loved that verse in, you know, you know the verse, uh, Philippians 4, verse 13. It says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. You know, one of these amazing verses of encouragement. And this is a, a big kind of verse for him, and so he, he had the reference tattooed on his shoulder. Um, but the only slightly weird thing was that when he was living with us, he used to wear an awful, he used to wear vests quite a lot. And actually, and all you, all you could see was Phil tattooed on, on his shoulder. It was a little bit unnerving. But, you know, but hey, it, it reminded him that God loved him. And this is what we do. We, we have like these trinkets and tattoos to remind us of the love that Jesus has for us. And, and it's important that we do remember because, because the balm of Jesus, the soothing Love that he has for us never runs out. It always remains. You know, Jesus came to reassure us of that and to, and to rescue us from, from the, the stinking mess of brokenness that we find all around ourselves. And, and, and he anoints us with the Holy Spirit. If you like, Jesus pours the Holy Spirit all over us, to kind of permeate every part. Uh, And that's the gift that he says will remain with us, that we will take it. We take the Holy Spirit wherever we go. It's like we're literally marked by Jesus's love. It's something that is tangible, that we can sense, that we taste and see and, and smell. You know, the love of Jesus that remains with us. And and as we think about this tonight, I'd love us just to look a little bit at this story here uh, in in Mark's Gospel. Let let me just pray. Why don't you pray with me before we we delve in here. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for, for your word. Jesus, we really do thank you for these windows into your life here on earth. What a privilege it is that we get to read about you. And Jesus, I pray as we, as we look at your life here, this little episode, Jesus, I pray that you would encourage us and challenge us and continue to transform us so that we might leave this place a little bit more like you than when we walked in. Amen. Amen. Okay, so uh, we're, we're in Mark 14, and, uh, and the thing that we need to, we need to grab a hold of, uh, first of all, as we look at this little story, is the context. The context, the timeline, if you like, of this story. Uh, and the passage, uh, quite helpfully, gives us uh, a timeline right at the beginning. It says, now the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread were only two days away. Two days until... Passover, until that great celebration of rescue. But of course, we, we now know that this, that this Passover, at this time, wasn't just going to be Passover, but this was going to be the day of crucifixion. This, this is where we're at in the story. If you, if you like, we're 
on the Wednesday before the Friday when Jesus would be crucified. And shortly after this little episode here, we know that Jesus was going to go and break bread and drink wine at a last supper with his disciples. He was then going to wrestle in prayer, anxious for all that was to come. He was going to be betrayed. He was going to be arrested. He was going to be tried. And then he was going to be handed over to be beaten, to be spat upon, to be mocked, and then eventually to be nailed to a big wooden cross. But before all this happened, Jesus allows this this strange encounter, this strange anointing, if you like, to happen while he's hanging out at Simon's house. And it was strange. It was strange. And I think it's good that we point that out to begin with. Because when we look at some of these stories in Scripture, it's easy to sometimes think, well, hey, is this, is this just normal behavior? You know, a couple of thousand years ago, is this what happened? You know, we don't necessarily, it's difficult to know. But I think, you know, we, this was strange. What happens here in this, in this passage was strange. And there were a number of things that were strange about it. And actually the first thing that's quite strange is the fact that a woman walks into the centre of this social gathering where Jesus is reclining at Simon's house. And of course we know that 2,000 years ago in Palestine, you know, a woman wouldn't just walk into the centre of that kind of social occasion. Let alone would a woman then anoint and pour some kind of perfume over a man. You know, there were all sorts of social taboos going on here. You know, but immediately we recognise and we see that actually we're talking about Jesus here. We're talking about the Jesus who broke the social norms. The Jesus who said, everyone is welcome to come to me. All are equal before me. No one is excluded from me. And so we, we see this strange thing happen. An anointing that was both strange and it was costly. In verse 3, it says here, a woman brings an alabaster jar of expensive perfume made of pure nard. And, and she broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Uh, a nard, if you're not, if you're not super familiar uh, with nard, uh, nard was kind of a root uh, that was uh, used to be was classically found in India, uh, and it was it was actually really uh, really costly because it was used in trade and it would be used to produce this really intense sweet perfume, uh, and it was traded uh, all across uh, the the area. And uh, for me, when I when I think of when I think of nard, I think, I don't, I don't know if any other, particularly guys, I don't know if the guys, I don't know if you can come with me on this, but for me, I've got this, I've got this bottle of aftershave that's basically followed me for about 15 years now. Is anyone, anyone else with me? Yeah? So I've got, I, and, and for me, this particular bottle of aftershave is, um, it's, it's dupe. 
don't know if anyone uses jupe here. I haven't, haven't smelt any in the room just yet. But, uh, but jupe, if you're not familiar with jupe, is, uh, is a really intense and sweet, sweet smelling, uh, smelling perfume. And I guess probably that's why I haven't used it that often. And so I think someone got it for me for a present, like, you know, literally about 15 years ago. And every now and again, it's, you know, just a little, a little spray. And uh, in, in fact, we have this kind of rule. Uh, you know, Charlotte, my wife, she says, uh, uh, she, she's like, you can only have two sprays, literally two sprays. Two sprays is kind of, a, kind of okay. Three sprays, uh-uh. You know, that's it. It's way, way too much. And we've got this rule that I'm never allowed to put any on if we're going to be sitting in the car or any other enclosed spaces. You know, because this stuff is intense. You know, it is strong. Uh, and, and for me, this is what I think about when I think of this, this nard. You know, this strong, intense, sweet-smelling perfume. But... Not only do we read about this nard, but we read later in verse 5 that actually it, it could have been sold for, for, for more than a year's wages. And so what we learn here is that actually there's a quantity of this stuff that is going on here. You know, there's a whole lot of this perfume. You know, it's likely that what Mary brought here into this occasion would have, would have, would have perhaps made thousands uh, of bottles of perfume that could have been sold or, or, or given away. You know, so when, we, when we're kind of trying to picture this or get a sense of this, you know, don't just think about my little bottle of jupe. You know, imagine like you just, you just went crashing into the whole perfume counter at Boots. You know, we're talking like some intense smell going on here. Uh, and of course, we know that Jesus, who was covered in this stuff now, wasn't about to go and have a shower anytime soon. You know, that wasn't how it worked back in first century Palestine. In fact, often these scents were, were used almost as, a, almost as a replacement for regular washing. You know, perfume was used to kind of disguise and to hide the, the daily smells that, that may be around. You know, the reality is, is that Jesus would have carried this smell that was poured all over him for days. Perhaps for all of his final days. It was a strange and it was a costly anointing. And if you're taking notes uh, or jotting anything down tonight, I, I've called this... Message, smell like Jesus. And there's really two, two incredible pictures that we get here uh, when we think about this story. And the first is, is, is a picture of devotion. And an incredible kind of smell of, of confidence. You know, this act that this woman took here was a, was a bold act of love. This was an extravagant act of worship that was performed here in uh, this social setting. Yeah, and it was costly, so costly. You know, the, the reality is there's probably only two reasons why this woman would have had uh, a perfume like that uh, in that quantity, either because... She was in the business and she was trading this stuff. Or perhaps it was an heirloom 
that would have been passed down, something of great value for her family. You know, but whatever, why ever, this was a costly, extravagant, provocative act of love. You know, so provocative that it kind of provoked this feeling of anger in some of the disciples who were watching and said, well, why on earth would you allow this woman to pour, to waste this perfume in this way when it could have been sold and given to the poor? This was a provocative and extravagant act of worship. This was bold love. And not only was it bold love, but it was, it was an incredibly symbolic Act. You know, this was the way uh, that priests and kings of old would have been anointed. Poured all over their heads. In in Psalm uh, 34, there's this great account where it kind of recounts this. It it talks about the blessings of God being, you know, like precious oil poured over the head, running down onto the beard, you know, running into Aaron's beard. You know, this was the way uh, the kings and priests were anointed. You know, it was this this symbolic picture of God's blessing being poured over all over the one who was anointed. And this is what we see happening at Simon's house. An extravagant, costly act of worship and a symbolic anointing that reminds Jesus of who he is as he's about to step into the most horrific two days a great symbolic reminder that he is the priest and the king of kings. And you know the incredible thing is that we know that this Jesus was not just the king of kings, but he was sent on a mission to remind us as his children that we too are children of the king, anointed like royalty. You know, the most remarkable thing that I ever saw uh, happen, I think, the most remarkable transformation I ever saw in anyone's life was uh, the guy uh, that I used to work with called Eddie. You know, when I was uh, working in a church over in West London, I used to work for the homeless uh, night shelter there, and we used to, we used to work with uh, hundreds of men and women that would come in and out to a drop-in, and then, and then we'd have a night shelter at the night, and Eddie was one of these guys uh, that came in, and Eddie was uh, born in Glasgow and had a horrific uh, upbringing uh, and eventually found himself on the streets of London and that's where he stayed as an addict uh, for 30 years living rough in London and when Eddie first came in to, uh, to, to the homeless project he was, uh, he was the most broken man that I have ever seen he was just completely messed up there's, there's just no other way to describe it if you looked at his face and his body He was just broken. But a remarkable thing happened. And in fact, it was one of the other uh, homeless guys that we were working with at the time who invited Eddie to come on Alpha. And uh, and after spending a few months just mocking everyone and saying he wasn't going to come, eventually Eddie did come and he, he, he came to Alpha and he met Jesus. And he suddenly realized that he was loved. Uh, and it, 
it was remarkable. The transformation that then took place is incredible. I, I wish that I, I'd, I'd brought before and after photos. I've got some before and after photos, you know, uh, of when Eddie came into the, the shelter. And then the incredible transformation that happened as he realised that he was loved and that people cared for him. And he got cleaned up, he got sober, uh, he got work. Uh, it was just Incredible, uh, uh, and one of the most amazing things happened. Uh, we were uh, we were at a leadership conference. There's a big leadership conference that's coming up again in May. A uh, little plug there. Uh, leadership conference at the Royal Albert Hall, and uh, it's where you know hundreds of us are able to get together and to learn together. And and one of the, it's one of the things that happens at, at the Royal Albert Hall is that is that um, seats, individual seats, are actually owned by particular people. And, uh, and so if you're running an event at the Royal Albert Hall, if you sell out your event, what you can do is you can actually apply to the people who own their own seat and you can ask them to release their seat so that you've got extra seats to sell for your event. And, uh, and, and the leadership conference that we were running got sold out and so we wrote to all the people that own seats. And of course, one of the people that owns a seat in the Royal Albert Hall is the Queen. In fact, she owns a whole box. It's called the Royal Box. And so we wrote to the Queen, and, uh, and the, Queen, uh, the Queen wrote back. Well, actually, the Queen probably didn't write back. But someone on behalf of the Queen wrote back, and they said, yeah, you're really welcome to use the Royal Box. Uh, and we would love you to use it for your most distinguished guests. And, and we felt that our most distinguished guests were the guys that had come through the Homeless Project. And so we invited them all in and we took them into the Royal Albert Hall's Royal Box. And I found myself sitting next to Eddie in the Royal Box, worshipping with hundreds of others in the Royal Albert Hall. It was the most remarkable thing. And Eddie said, he said, a year ago... I was sleeping under the vents outside the Royal Albert Hall. But today I am sitting like royalty in the Royal Box, worshipping with all of my friends. It was the most radical transformation I have ever seen. Eddie knew that he was loved. He knew that he was a son of the king. He began to smell like Jesus. It was a bold smell, a smell of confidence because he knew who he was. You know, there's another picture here that we find in this story too, though. Not just a picture of devotion and, and, and a smell of confidence, but we find a picture of death. In verse 8 here, Jesus, Jesus says to this woman, well, you have prepared me for my burial. You know, Jesus hadn't just come to earth to be celebrated as a king, but he was on a rescue mission to comfort and to soothe and to restore you know, Jesus came to pour out his, his balm on the earth. You know, Jesus smells like confidence, but he also smells like compassion and comfort and love. 
You know, and that's the kind of love that costs everything. You know, and just like this woman's costly, extravagant act of love, Jesus poured out everything and he died for you and for me to reassure you, to rescue you from everything that smells bad in this world, from the stench that we find around us in this broken world. You know, and this, and this love, this is the love that always will be. You know, this balm is a balm that, that remains, a comfort that remains. Uh, and that is because this story doesn't end with death and with burial. Because five days later, just five days later after this, after this story, this woman approaches the tomb where Jesus had been buried. You know, just five days after Jesus was drenched in this perfume. And I, and I wonder, I just wonder if there it was again, even just a hint perhaps as she approaches the tomb, maybe just a hint of this sweet, sweet smell. But this time it wasn't the smell of death. It was the smell of life. Because Jesus was alive. He had risen. And because he was alive, he was able to promise that he would send us his Holy Spirit. That we might be covered, drenched in his Holy Spirit. An anointing for us that would always, always remain. And this, and this, is, this is the most important bit, okay? This is the most important bit. As Jesus did this, he made a way for you to be like him, for you to follow him. For you to smell like him. You know, it's the whole point of this, is that Jesus did it so that we might be like him, so that we might smell like him. You know, it's, it's strange and it's costly, but Jesus invites us to be anointed by his Holy Spirit, that we might be confident and that we might know comfort. It's the anointing of the bold and of the balm. It's what each one of us are called to. And so my challenge to you is, what do you smell like? What do you smell like? You know, there's a wonderful verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It says this, it says, It is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. He set his seal of ownership upon us and he put his spirit in our hearts. Through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are the aroma of Christ 
the fragrance of life. What do you smell like? You know, I really believe that this is, this is a word for us here at SPS. You know, in one sense, this is a word for all of us who follow Jesus. But I believe that God is, is bringing this to us at this time as a word f- for us. You know, this is what we are called to be. This is the character that we are called to hold here at St. Paul's Shadwell. The bold and the balm. The confidence that we have because we know who we are. Because we know that we are children of the King. So that we can boldly celebrate. So that we can boldly organise ourselves. So that we can boldly relate to one another. And boldly evangelise. And introduce people to the Jesus that we see. Because we also know about the balm. The comfort. The compassion. And the care that Jesus offers to us and that we in turn are invited to extend to those who are around us. The bold and the balm. What do we smell like? You know, I find this so, so challenging. The call that we have to be different. You know, the call that we have to, to make an impact wherever we go. And I, there's a great thing that happened to Charlotte and I and our little girl, Adelaide, about, um, about seven months ago or something. My prayer is that it happens all the time. But this happened about seven months ago. And uh, at a church that we used to be at, we used to go uh, a lot of the time to Leon for lunch. Uh, we used to be down in Spitalfields and we'd often go to Leon for lunch after church and, uh, and we'd sit there and my little girl would run around and we'd have a great, we'd have a great uh, time eating meatballs and whatever. But uh, there was this one time where, uh, where this, this girl came up to us and uh, she was a waitress and we'd kind of seen her around for you know, several months and she came up to us and she just said, oh, excuse me, I don't want to disturb you, but uh, I just wanted to say thank you to you guys because... Um, it's, 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 it's my last day here and uh, I'm leaving uh, London now. I'm not going to be coming to Leon anymore. But I just wanted to say thank you to you guys because I see you here a lot. And, uh, and there's just something about you guys that there just seems to be like a light that you bring when you come here. There's just kind of a life that's here. And uh, we were sitting there thinking, well, this is amazing, you know. And we were just, we were blown away. And my prayer is that that is what my life looks like. You know, as I said, that was seven months ago. My prayer is that that happens every day and every week. That actually the places that I go and that I step into, people recognise that there's something different going on in my life. That I carry a fragrance of Jesus which people recognise. So my challenge to you is, what do you smell like?